0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Mainland Podcast. We're up to episode 11 already. Um, that's uh, it's moving right along. We're we're just jamming through the season here, and I am Michael Citro, the uh, managing editor of the Mainland Mainland.com. You can find us there. And uh, joining me tonight is Kevin Mercer. Kevin is uh, of course one of our uh, senior columnists, and uh, Kevin, welcome back to the. Great to be here. Yeah, great to be
1: here. Thanks. <laughs>
0: uh, so obviously we didn't get the result we wanted in Columbus the way we did in Portland. No. Uh, but what <laughs> That's the understatement of the century. But what I want to talk to you about first to start this off, because I, it's easy to just say, oh, man, we got killed. But what I wanted to talk to you about is, it, to me, it seemed like Orlando City started off on the back foot sort of like they did in Portland for about the first 10 minutes or so. Absorbing pressure, absorbing that initial wave of, you know, home team excitement and um, you know pressure, and then for about 20 minutes, Orlando City kind of came back and carried the play for a while, and it looked things looked pretty good until one bad clearance from uh, Rafael Ramos, uh, followed by a red card, kind of ruined the whole game. Uh, is that kind of what the way you
1: saw That's it? That's exactly the way I saw it. To be honest, um, I felt, and I think that when you know when you go on the road, um, I think a team. Settling in for those 10 minutes I think is the best thing you can do. Not give anything away and just to kind of settle into a new atmosphere and uh, you know the people around you and kind of get used to the team you're playing against. And I think that's exactly what they've done two times in a row now is just to kind of settle in. I think that's good. And then once they settle in, take command, take control of the game. Um, Again, I thought they did a great job of that. It looked very very promising early on until, again, Ramos' miscue and then card. So.
0: Yeah, I thought Ethan Finley looked really, really good for Columbus early on. He was uh, a difference maker early. He he nutmegged Seb Hines and got a shot off that went over the bar. Um he was uh, instrumental in in setting up an earlier chance for I believe it was Miram. And uh, then after that Orlando City kinda got into it. And it looked like Kevin Molino and Kaka were really uh playing well together around the box as we've seen in the past. And Ramos actually was playing very, very well
1: I thought so, in that too, spell. Yeah.
0: Uh, on the offensive end, and, 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 you know, keeping that pressure on Columbus is important because they are a team that likes to possess the ball. They're a team that can get frustrated if they can't get a hold of the ball and it can, it can uh, you know, damage their psyche as the game goes on. But, um, you know, obviously it wasn't like we saw a huge difference in talent. It was a 3 nothing final that sort of, you know, is indicative of the fact that You know, one team was playing on the road for an hour with a man down. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, um, you know, why don't we talk a little bit about that red card? First of all, it starts off with Ramos having just a howler of a mistake. He has a chance to clear it in the box. And instead of just clearing his line, he may have tried to get it to Breck Shea or, or maybe just mishit it and didn't put enough weight on it. But he just pushes it out to the right where Finley was waiting um, before anyone can react, Finley gets it back across and Iguain with a just a beautiful touch uh, with the back heel yeah. to get it just inside the post so uh it was one nothing right there, and it was kind of against the run of play there for about the last fifteen minutes
1: well yeah, and I think that you know uh Adrian Heath in his post game comments kind of said it the you know the best is you know he likes he likes to play the ball um as much as anyone else does and, and you'll see you'll see Orlando City play the ball out of the back a lot, but there are those times that you you just have to clear it. You know, it's just one of those things that doesn't matter. You know, it, it may not be glorious. You may give away a corner kick. You may give away a lot of other things, but you don't give away a pass like that. And I think that most of us were taught in youth soccer, you don't pass across the goal. <laughs> you just never do that ever. So, um, but you know, it's a rookie mistake and Ramos is a rookie. And I think that is, you know, you, when you play with young players, you're going to get those experiences but I think they're valuable in the end. I think that that's a learning experience, and I think that you know this week's probably been one of the tougher weeks. Ramos has probably had as a professional, but I think he'll show what he's made of and grow from it from there. I think.
0: Yeah, so he's facing his goalkeeper there. The really the best play is to just give it a quick tap to Ricketts and let him let him blast yeah. it. I think, but um, and I'm sure he'll get it. He's been coached up, I'm sure already enough about that play, yeah. but. Um, <laughs> So a few minutes later, he makes a nice run down the right side, uh, gets taken down, gets a little bit upset about that, because it wasn't called, uh, and let's make no mistake, I mean, Columbus was hacking pretty good at times uh, throughout the game, especially Tony Chani, uh, especially on Kevin Molino, who suffered seven fouls yeah. from Columbus, seven of their 15 went against Molino, um, and that's just the ones that were called.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: and then, uh, so, so Ramos gets up, and a little red mist descends, and... Um, he takes a, a flying scissor kick uh, toward Waylon Francis, almost makes contact with Waylon Francis, who um, I'm pretty sure he's dead, right? I mean, the way he reacted, he must be dead. Yeah,
1: yeah. That well, and and I'll back up a little bit. I actually <laughs> watched the game, you know, through MLS Live. I watched the game with Columbus Crew announcers, uh, which uh-huh. is always kind of interesting and annoying all at the same time, as you kind of have this real biased, you know, kind of uh, thing going on and. But they actually felt uh, that Columbus was fouling quite a bit too. And a number of mm-hmm. players, uh, um, they kind of suspected should have gotten yellow cards for, for you know, and that's Columbus, you know, uh, announcers. So um, you're exactly right about the idea that they were playing pretty hard. They were playing us pretty hard at first. And, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, and I think, you know, Ramos's card, and, and I, I wrote about this last week, and, and I relate to this so much as a player who – you know, has own struggles with anger issues at times it has, <laughs> has fixed them now. But certainly when I was much younger, I had some of those similar issues. You make that mistake in the box and you give away the goal and you want more than anything to redeem yourself. Mm-hmm. And you just, sometimes you try too hard. And that's really what Ramos was doing was he was trying, he took that ball up the wing really all on his own. He was trying to kind of be a hero and gets the foul, understandably upset and then lashes out, and that's you know that's kind of of course where the mistake comes um you know I think the the whole experience is what creates the red card, the idea that it looks vindictive, even though it really mm-hmm. wasn't probably a hard hit i looked I did finally watch this game again, I didn't want to, but I did and um and it wasn't you know it wasn't the worst foul I've ever seen uh it wasn't Paul Scholes <laughs> you know taking someone out <laughs> in, in a really an unfair way um it was a young kid who was very, very hot-headed at the moment and um but i think that the pr- progression of that play i think that's what creates it as a, a red um and yeah I, you know it, it's I, you could debate this red but very few people are i think it really people saw it as a red too even orlando fans so
0: right and i did and i think it- I think he'd have been okay had he just, you know, helped the guy up and and kind of like, you know, my bad. Yeah. He might have been get away with the yellow there because I don't think anybody had that in mind to be a yellow at first or anything but a yellow at first. No. And then when he ran away and, you know, they had time to think about it, they had time to, like, think about the, you know, because you, you don't want to give the referee more time to no. think about a foul. No. You know, make that snap decision Um because, you know, they're going to – usually they're going to err on the side of, of – of, okay, I don't want to ruin the game early. Um, this, we'll give yeah, a yellow this is the ref
1: that gives away red cards. I looked it up. He, I think this is only his third red card of the season. So
0: yeah. So I mean, it was a, the whole thing took like 15 seconds because he got up, he ran away. The the crew players surrounded the ref for the second week in Just a row. Second like week the in a row, yeah. Um, which I'm w- I'm waiting for the discipline report to come out tomorrow to see if they if they get dinged again by MLS for the second week in a row for the confrontation. Um, Violation. Yeah, and because um, they're they're starting to do that more and more, and you know, then the ref also has a chance to talk to the assistant. If you know, if he just goes over and Ramos is there trying to pick up the obviously shot in the foot, Waylon Francis, right? Uh, who obviously he didn't really uh, he didn't continue in the game, right?
1: Uh no, I don't think so.
0: I think they actually had to put him in the coffin right there on the field. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean. And I kid, but have you seen anybody – I mean, obviously you have because you watch a lot of soccer – somebody making a meal of it to that extent when there really was minimal contact? Um, I am, for one – I just think that people should get – people should get booked – for doing that and then getting up and walking without a limp, right? Well, if you can get up and walk without a limp after you know acting like you're in that much pain, that's the same thing as simulation in my book.
1: But if you reverse it, look at it this way, and what you have is a professional who sees a young player lashing out and takes advantage of the situation, and says this this young player is you know acting vindictively, mm-hmm. and I can take advantage of that. And so you know, not to to credit <laughs> to credit him for that, I don't want to <laughs> do that. But at the same time, you have a player who who's a professional, who's, who's, a you know, a, a veteran who sees this young player making mistakes down that line. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that you, you know, and again, it's not what I would do and it's not the way I would play it, but, um, that's probably what he thought was, I'm gonna take advantage of this because this young kid is, you know, and at the end of the day, his team goes up an extra, extra player and, uh, you know, they've got a, a man advantage for most of the game. So, yep.
0: you know. So his strategy worked. Yeah. And, um. <laughs> You cannot say that cheaters never prosper, <laughs> um, but I'm not arguing the the, the red card. I, I think the decision is fine. I had no qualms with that. I thought that, you know, when you look at the way Ramos gets up and runs straight at the player, uh, comes over the top of the studs like that. And then gets up and runs away like that. The whole thing seemed very petulant. Was the and ball very still in
1: frame on the television when he hit the player? <laughs> that was what I was trying to figure out. It was,
0: uh, it was. close. It was. It was well after you know the ball had gone, but um, I think you could maybe still see it in yeah, the frame. Yeah, it,
1: was, it wasn't close to <laughs> the Jennings. I can tell you that. Yeah.
0: So, uh, yeah. so sorry, sorry. So Ramos gets sent off. Um, Columbus goes on. Actually, for the remainder of the half, you know, they take Kyle Larin off. They put on uh, younger player Tyler Turner. Yeah, uh, right well, back. I
1: thought actually.
0: Yeah, defensively very good. He's obviously not as dynamic getting forward, uh, but he he did did a good job defensively, just like he did up at uh, Montreal. Yeah. Um, and and actually they went to a four four one and I think surprised Columbus a little bit. I thought. Again, Orlando was the better team for the remainder of the first half.
1: I, I totally agree. Um and that's the discussion I've had a number of times with, with other supporters is uh we were in that game and, and I really think the you know, the second and third goals I really would say came basically from our own exhaustion of chasing the game. Um being a man down and a goal down, you know, you have to be aggressive, you have to attack. Um uh, but that means you're you know, you're you're vulnerable and back. And um and I think those goals you know 3 3 nothing seems like a very lopsided victory, but i think at the end of the day those two last goals are more exhaustion and just just chasing a game for too long you know versus uh anything i mean they weren't uh we should have a clearance on one of them and, and the other one wasn't you know they weren't convincing goals to me but they were uh i think more the more you know i thought we had a chance in that game to be honest i thought i really thought we did
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was a hint of a foul on uh, Kamara, yeah. on the goal, that he took it away from Aguita. I mean, he got the ball cleanly with his feet, but he clearly put a shoulder into yeah. the back of Aguita. Not in the shoulder-to-shoulder sense, but into the back yeah. of the player. Yeah, that's And, yeah. you know, ordinarily you're going to get that call in the box, in your own box like that, but um, not on this night when no. <laughs> when uh, things had, hadn't gone well already. Um, so uh, then it became two, and then, you know, the the chase of the game was really over, and they just kind of – Bunkered in and tried to limit the damage at that point. Yeah. So first road loss in MLS. So we won't be undefeated forever on the road. (laughs) I think that we are. We're all shocked by that. That we're actually going to have a road loss on this inaugural MLS season. Uh, Against a team that's pretty good. Pretty a pretty good team. Yeah, I think Um, so. I, you know, we took a lot of grief for that scoreline after after Andrew um, put in his game preview that he thought. Columbus had mid-to-low-level, mid-to-low-table-level talent. Yeah. Um, I have to say on the, on the record that I never agreed with that, and I told Andrew that beforehand. Right. Um, in fact, if you were to go into our story editor, you would see the note that I left him. I <laughs> <laughs> said, really? Mid-to-low-table, mid really? Uh, I have been watching the crew for years, being a, a person who's from Columbus, and they've always uh, had very strong players, and the last couple of years they've They've really developed a nice little team there, and I think a lot of people don't realize how good Justin Miriam is, and how good Ethan Finley is, and how good Tony Chani is.
1: Yeah, Tony and, was really good that, in that game. I thought actually, I
0: thought yeah, he was that
1: yellow card, but I thought, I also thought he was. A
0: yeah, card. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he. You know, at one point the ref walks over and shows him the number two and warns him. Yeah. And I don't know if he meant, meant you know, that's two. Or I'm only going to warn you two more times, times before I yeah. book you. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, yeah, he definitely should have had a yellow at that game. Uh, uh, the, for just just solely for his chopping on Molino. Um, but uh, you know that's over. Uh, the team is back this Sunday against Toronto. Um, you know uh, the team sold out fourteen thousand season tickets. Kevin, fourteen thousand yeah. is uh, is the allotment that they put aside for the easy transition in the soccer stadium. In 2016, and uh, it's pretty uh, awesome to see that they reached their goal once again. It's sold fifth, fourth in the in the league, fourth team in the league to have a waiting list uh, for tickets.
1: And is that in league history or just this league right now?
0: I think currently.
1: Okay, currently. Okay. That's fantastic, though. Yeah, and I know you know I'm pretty uh, close with our ticket sales rep um, Brian Paul, and I know how hard they work. Um, I. I I've dealt with other season tickets and other sports and other things, and, I mean, they're some of the best I've ever dealt with in terms of fixing problems, taking care of things. Um, so, you know, the, not surprisingly with the way the organization is run, but their ticket offices run real, real well as well.
0: Yeah, and it's um, it, it's just a testament to the hard work of guys like Chris Gallagher, the VP of, uh, of ticket sales, and, and those guys in the front office to uh, to really grow this thing the way they have. It's been a pretty amazing ride. Um, Toronto is a team that, you know, quite frankly, we could be in their position next year. They have started a season with renovations going on to their stadium. They haven't been home yet. It's been a, a five games all on the road so far for, for Toronto FC. And if, for some reason, the soccer downtown soccer stadium doesn't get completed on time if there's any delays. that could happen to orlando City next year it
1: could I, You know I was thinking about it, but I also think that you know the citrus Bowl has proven to be a workable solution, so I'm not sure we may just have a switchover where midway through the season or something we switch we switch stadiums again, keeping that fourteen uh fourteen thousand season ticket cap you know useful um mm-hmm. but yeah I, I think I think I've heard in the past, and I, and I can't give you a source for it, but that they would use the um, the citrus bowl and switch over if they had to. So, I, hopefully, we'll avoid an eight-game road trip <laughs> tour of America. I really think that's a pretty rough thing to do to any team.
0: Yeah, it's nice that they have the the citrus bowl to fall back on. It's just a matter of does the citrus bowl. Do the smart thing and not like, oh my goodness, um, the Rolling Stone, you know, the 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 Living Beatles are getting back together <laughs> and they're, they want to do Six Nights in Orlando or whatever. Um, yeah, that wouldn't that wouldn't work out too good. But uh, Toronto is a team, kind of star studded. Uh, they're not off to a good start at all. They they won their first game uh, of the season. I think it was at Vancouver, which was a, a pretty nice win, as yeah. it turns out. Yeah, uh, and, and you know they've got a, a ton of talent. Michael Bradley, uh, Josie Altador, Sebastian Giovinco. Who, if you haven't seen him yet, you're in for a treat. He's one of the better players in MLS. Uh, a, a guy they brought in as a DP from Italy, who's you know, he's one of these new wave of DP guys who's not over the hill. You know, he can play, he's still in his prime. So um, we haven't seen uh, what he can do. They call him the Atomic Ant. He's five nine. Uh, I think he weighs about a buck twenty. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it, it should be an interesting game because they they like to attack and press, but they have had some and, and they like to press a really high back line. But they've had some issues getting beat speed wise on counter attacks. Yeah. So
1: give up this a might of be this,
0: year. this might be the game that Orlando City scores a goal at home.
1: This we we may score a goal at home. We may score a couple goals at home.
0: I would be I'd be down with yeah. that. I'd be okay.
1: But they, they have been, <laughs> I mean, looking at Toronto, they have not had a shutout yet. And they've given away <laughs> more than three goals twice, and more than well, three goals twice, two goals twice, and one goal one time. So, you know, I, I think it looks pretty good for at least a high-scoring game.
0: <laughs> yeah, we might we might see a back-and-forth uh, high-scoring game, as you said. And and you know, they got a lot of firepower uh, with with Javako and and uh, also uh, Shea Roo, the uh, the Frenchman that they have. Mm-hmm. He could score, and Altidore obviously. And uh, Michael Bradley coming, bombing in from, from the back, uh, the defensive midfield, or box-to-box midfield, he kind of plays for them. You
1: know, I'll, with Bradley, I'll tell you, I'm I actually I'm one of those Americans that likes Michael Bradley. I, I've seen him play really, really well. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen him play live about three times now, and he's never had a good game when I've seen him. <laughs> which makes me feel either really good about the fact that he may not have a good game again, or this is the time he has a great game, so...
0: Exactly. Yeah, he's he's either overdue, he's either he's overdue go or going to Or he'll
1: continue the bad, the, the batter run. So
0: well, I guess we'll find we'll out on Sunday. It, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. I have no idea what we're going to find out, but we're going to find something out on Sunday. And uh, one of the things I hope we find out is uh, what it's like to win a home game because that would be that would be tremendous. The
1: supporters deserve it, don't they?
0: They really do, and I really felt like they did that that sixty two thousand on opening day. I really felt like deserved three points, but um. You know when uh, when they fell behind one nil and then Colin got sent off, it was it was you know well can we just at least not lose? Yeah, the,
1: the heroism <laughs> became a tie, yeah. So we learned how heroic ties can
0: become. It really was. It was a, it was one of those ties that feels like a win because I think still Andrew to this day says you know thinks of that game as a win. Like he said it like. We haven't won, you know. Hopefully, this would be like our first win when we came back with ten men. No, we didn't we come back out. with ten. Men. Yeah. We drew, <laughs> uh,
3: but that's okay. But, you know, so I
1: think that, that game and and the other games this season, you know, when you look at a season as a long narrative, I think those there may be a context to those games that we don't quite understand yet, and I'm curious to see how the season progresses. You know, the MLS season is very very long, and so I think we may look back at those games hopefully with uh you know kind of learning lessons and and kind of the uh the ugly part of putting a team together on the on the fly so that's my at least that's my theory right now
0: yeah and and you know Adrian Heath will still tell you he's still talking about it. it's still early days yeah. for this team they're still coming together they're still not cohesive as the, as they will be and that's the difference between dominating a team and losing on a set piece in stoppage time or you know carving them up and scoring two or three goals and right. beating them three nil yeah you're exactly so um, right, yeah. i mean i have seen seen orlando city in the usl play about like they played against dc united and they've scored five goals
1: right you, yeah <laughs> they they were unstoppable and 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 really wasn't even it, sometimes it didn't even feel fair sometimes yeah you're exactly right so
0: but then you know you got bill hamid who is not a usl goalkeeper no and you've got you know Guys who just haven't opened their account yet, and it's gonna it's gonna be a struggle. They're going to be pressing until they do, and I think Kevin Molino is is number one on that list of guys who are pressing because they haven't uh, opened their account yet.
1: Yeah, and I think there's a there's a number of players I think are really looking for breakout games, and and you know you, you've got to hope it's Toronto, but at the same time looking at Toronto just as a roster, it's also a scary game to look at because they're a very very talented team. So. Um,
0: and, you know, you got your little shorthanded. You don't have Ramos for this game because of the suspension. And, you know, thankfully it didn't go beyond that. It, it wasn't additional yeah. games tacked onto that. So he'll be back. And, you know, I think the 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 main thing to remember with Rafael Ramos is he's 20 years old. And this is his first year of top flight football. And, you know, he made a mistake. I mean, I, I know there's guys on our website that have – or, you know, on Twitter that have said, I'd, oh, I'd suspend him for three games for that. You know, it's like, but, you know, that's kind of cutting off your nose to spite your face. It's like, why would you weaken your team when you could just use it as a teaching moment? The suspension's already a built-in punishment. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's exactly it. It's, it's, it. You know, and also, we, you know, we didn't really mention it, but, you know, he came back from that experience that evening extremely humble. And, um, yes. and, you know, that, and that's not something I've seen a lot of. I mean, you see it every once in a while, but it's certainly not, a, a, you know, certainly not always done by players. Um, he was apologizing to the fans who traveled. He was apologizing to uh, all of us, basically, um, collectively, both the team and the supporters. And I think that he understands what happened. I mean, you know, if we lost that or we tied that game 1-1, yeah, maybe the, maybe the, the uh, lesson wasn't as strong. But I think a 3 nothing thumping. Um, really sends a lesson home for a player who's competitive and wants to win. And, you know, and he's proven he wants to do that. He's a, he's that kind of player. He seems to be driven. So I think he, you know, and this is his second season with us. So I think he also understands the culture of the, of the town and the culture of the club. So I think mm-hmm. that
0: and he's, he got great direction from the leadership of the club with Kaká whispering in his ear on the training table after the game.
1: Well, and even uh, you know, I don't know the feed that was in Orlando, but I know on the Columbus feed when that happened Kaká was in his ear right after that when, when when he was walking away from Yeah. Kaká was in his ear immediately and so you see that as being a good sign too. You know they're already pretty close friends and um you know he'll he'll come back from this. I I'm not worried about, I don't I you know kind of like Collins gotten a bad reputation for red cards cuz he got one the first game. I don't Yeah. Ramos is a problem moving forward. I think he had one game where he had a problem, and I don't think it's gonna be a problem moving forward. I think he'll he'll rebound and be just who he was before probably.
0: Yeah, what you have to like about that apology was it was obviously not penned by, you know, a communication staffer. No. It was it was heartfelt, it was on his social media, uh, you know, with complete you know, it's not his first language, so it was complete with misspellings and that kind of thing. But it, it was very endearing. Uh, it was very sincere. It came off as very sincere. And I think he really is going to take this as a learning lesson. And maybe in the long run, this particular incident may be one of the cornerstones of making him a really great player.
1: Yeah, you know, and I think you, you always look back at, at big losses and big moments and see that these are turning points. And if you look at Orlando City and in, in USL, whenever they lost bad, which was all, not very often, but it happened once in a while they always came back a lot stronger. And, I, and I'm curious, too, to see, you know, the reaction from the club, because they haven't seemed to be, you know, hurt by anything that's happened to them so far. They've always seemed to come back strong the next game. So I'm, I'm hoping mm-hmm. this game may be the same as well.
0: Yeah, and it was nice to see them all very even-keeled on social media. after. It's like, never too high, never too low. Okugo said on his Twitter feed, you know, got another game next week. Right. And we'll get after them. And, you know, Con- Aurelian Collins said some something similar to that. and. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. You know, they're going to come out hard. Uh, I just hope they can get an early goal because it seems like they press later in games at home when they're when they're not scoring. They want to score so badly for this crowd. Yeah,
1: I think you're, you're exactly right. And I think they I think the early goal would help settle both the crowd and the uh, and the team. But I think, too, an early goal will hurt Toronto. Uh, they like we're talking about they've been on the road for what is this their 15 or 16 or the sixth game. Yeah, so mm-hmm. they're. They're not gonna. They're going to be exhausted. I mean, you know, they're flying. They haven't flown the West Coast. Well, they did fly to Vancouver, but they're you know they're not flying large distances. But Dallas and Orlando are pretty far from Toronto as well. So I think that you know they came from Dallas last week, and you know that's a lot of flying. So I think that eventually you know, we're kind of catching the end of this long period for them, and I think that can only help us too.
0: Yeah, and we got plenty more to to uh, talk about with this uh, upcoming Toronto FC match. Uh, we're going to start bringing in our guests now. And um but I think we can put to, put put this behind us this whole Columbus match behind us. We got two more shots at the crew this year, both in the Citrus Bowl, and I think you're going to see a much different outcome in those two matches than you did in the first one.
1: I've already circled my calendar, can't wait for those
0: games. Okay, joining us is our very own Jeff Milby, our Louisville City FC correspondent. Jeff, how you doing? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing great, man. We got a we got a game. It's Kakas' birthday as we record this. <laughs> uh we got a game coming up on Sunday, chance to get three points at home again. Um another chance, I should say, we've like, done it. Another three points. Yeah, it's, it's again a chance to get three points <laughs> at home. Um but we wanted to talk about our our USL affiliate uh, up there in Louisville, Kentucky, and how things are going so far. And the first question I have to ask, I, I've seen some of these games, you know, streamed on YouTube and that kind of thing. Um, how is Louisville Slugger Field behaving as a soccer venue so far?
3: It's uh, On the field, anyway, it's behaving rather poorly so far, but it hasn't been too terrible. Uh, the first match against St. Louis went really well, uh, but obviously that was before baseball season, so... Uh, the infield wasn't really like they had prepped it for an entire week before the soccer game, and it was mm-hmm. it held up really well. But uh, the second game against uh, Rochester, like the the players were slipping and sliding around on the turf that they overlaid on the infield. The uh, the pitcher's mound is like a good quarter inch off of off of the rest of the field level, um, and it it looks like it could be trouble in the future, but. It's it's what they have to deal with, and it's it's really at this point a non-issue with them because they don't have any other options in terms of places to play, and um, you know, it's. it's well, let me
0: follow up that and just ask: Is it? It doesn't seem to be as narrow as like Yankee Stadium is for NYCFC. No,
3: no. it's also because they're using like an opposite. They're they're running it from what would be the third baseline to the right field corner, as like Yankees doing uh, first base to left field. Um so it's 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 not as narrow but it's 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 a little shorter I think as well. Um but as far as like the the way the crowd has been and then and a, a venue for a sporting event it's doing really well. The crowd has been great so far. There's like third in the league in attendance in terms of average attendance. Um um and it's the venue itself has been great but the field has been pretty nasty and seeing as baseball season is just now getting in the swing of things I don't think it's going to get any better anytime soon. It's just something they'll have to deal with.
1: Is there any discussion locally of a soccer-specific stadium?
3: Oh, absolutely, but it's it's uh, it's very tentative on how well this team does. Um, they, like when they when they first announced that we were getting a team, it was the number was like average like four thousand fans for the first three years or something like that, and then they would ha- have serious discussions about building one. But until then, it's it, they're playing a slugger.
1: That seems fair. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I, I it, it seemed reasonable at the time, and I think it's, you know, they can't just throw money around for no reason, so. So let's talk about the team a little bit, and, um,
0: you know, they haven't lost yet. They may never, ever lose a game in USL in their existence. Um, 1-0-3, one, uh, one win, three draws. Had, a like, a weird bye week in the middle of there where they lost a, an odd delayed game with a, a local college there, but... Um, Tell us a little bit about Louisville City as a team. Who looks good? Who uh, has impressed you? Who's sort of uh, leading that club?
3: Well, uh, as it was in preseason, it's it's the Matt Fondy show to a degree. Um, he's the captain. Um, it was bouncing around between him and and Brian Burke in the preseason, but as far as the regular season's been, he's been the captain for every game. Um, and uh, he hasn't scored yet. Oddly enough, he scored four goals in the preseason, but he's he's been the focal point of the attack and. Um, he set up a goal last week, um, at home and, um, he's, he's been a real, uh, serious danger man. He, he draws a lot of attention from the defenders, opening up spaces for other players. Um, but besides him, uh, Magnus Rasmussen is kind of, you know, expectations weren't so high for him because I don't think anybody really knew anything about him. Um, coming in, he's, he's Danish. Um, but he's been really, um, He's exceeded my expectations, I suppose. He, he wears the number 10. Uh, he scored the first goal in the first game against St. Louis. And uh, he drew a penalty uh, over the weekend at Pittsburgh. So he's been he's been a, a nice player uh, for them so far.
1: So, and I, you probably know a little bit about the Orlando City roster just from writing with us and stuff. Um, what kind of weaknesses does Louisville have? And do you think that are there any players that you guys would target uh, do you think for a loan from the club, from Orlando City, from the parent club?
3: I mean, it's it's a little early to uh, to really hone in on any weaknesses they have so far, especially considering they haven't lost. Um, they've only given up a goal. They've given up one goal off of off of a set piece, and one that was off of like the rebound off of a free kick. Um, so like defensively, they're fine. Attack wise, they've been doing really well. I mean, they haven't scored a boatload of goals. Only five goals so far, but. Um, you know, they've, they've been in every game, obviously. Um, so I don't know about any specific players. I've, it'd be nice to get Sidney Rivera on the field. Um, yeah. if he could just get over this groin injury, that would be great. Um, because the, the club, like people in the organization told me that when he, uh, like got off the plane, he looked every bit of an MLS player. So for what that's worth, it would be nice to see him. Um, but other than that, uh, it would just be good to get some players from Orlando, just to you know infuse some talent, not that there is a lack of talent, but obviously m l s players would would be more talented than the players we have now, sure, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of surprised actually that we haven't seen more um you
0: know guys sent down for a little bit of seasoning get' a, get some minutes um obviously, the international stuff has has helped with that help getting guys minutes, but I thought, and I talked to. We had Harrison Heath on the program early on uh, in the run of this podcast, and he he talked about how he'd rather go down and play at Louisville uh, and get playing time than to just be a practice player in MLS. He wanted to work on his game, and he didn't think he could do that necessarily, just practicing. Uh, I thought he was a player that could benefit from that. I thought Estrella was a player that could benefit fr- from that, but although I don't know if we're capable of sending him there uh, without Benfica doing it, uh,
3: that's, that's probably a good question for me to ask Adrian Heath sometime. I was going to say, can a player be on loan twice at the same time?
0: Is <laughs> loan from a loan. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know how that works, but I thought Estrella was a guy who could benefit from it. Certainly Tommy Redding, uh, was a guy who could do, who could uh, see some time or Connor Donovan. And, and now both of them are off with, uh, you know, the youth U S men's national team, So, uh, it will be interesting to see Sidney Rivera get going. Uh, he was, to me, a, a big surprise that you don't normally see a fourth-round draft pick in Superdraft make the MLS club out of camp. Uh, but he did that, and uh, then he was sent down. Of course, he had the groin injury. I'm hearing that he's getting pretty close to coming back to full training, and um, so maybe we'll get a look at him pretty soon. Uh, but one another guy that would be of interest, though, to uh, Orlando City fans that you mentioned is Brian Burke. How has Burkey played down there?
3: Oh, he's, he's been great. I mean, uh, obviously, getting forward in the attack, he's done really well. Uh, he's been putting in dangerous balls left and right, just all the time. Um, but it would be nice. It would be nice to see because this team sort of they haven't really had a chance to like establish themselves in terms of the way they want to play. They've kind of been on the back foot in a couple games, and it would just be specifically for Brian Burke. It would be good to see this team get out on like a break you know, a, a nice counterattack. They haven't really had too many chances to do that. Um, but overall, his play's been great. I mean, he's one of the leaders on the team. If you talk to anybody, uh, any of the players, he's certainly up there with him and Fondy, and, uh, you know, especially considering he knows O'Connor so well. Um, but yeah, he's been he's, he's been doing really well.
1: Well, that's actually a good segue. I was going to ask, uh, speaking of Orlando uh, alumni, uh, how is uh, O'Connor doing as a coach down there?
3: He... As, as an observer, I'm pleased with him. He's, he's deadly serious. Like that's, that's the one thing I've taken away from him. Like whenever I've spoken to him, he's, he doesn't play around and he's always when, like whenever he comes out for an interview, he gets out of, out of, as soon as we're done asking questions, he splits. It's, it's, it's really interesting how, how he behaves, but he, he seems to have really good control of the locker room. They all respect him and, uh, and it's, it's not a, there's no questioning of his authority despite the fact that this is his first head coaching gig. Um,
1: but, what does uh, what does O'Connor think of um, of your questions about his uh, play of the long ball?
3: Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> he, he didn't like that at all the first time. I haven't really had a chance to to throw too many critiques in there since then. But, That's probably uh, that was, good. Yeah, it was it was really weird because like I I just thought it like I just observed that they had played a lot of long balls early in that in that preseason game. And he was. He said, "Wow!" Like that—that's—that was how he started, it, as if he was taken <laughs> aback by me asking the question. He said, "Wow, that's just an observation. I don't know if that's—that's that's just an opinion," is what he said. That was the <laughs> so.
0: It's funny because I've actually seen other people tweeting about uh, Louisville playing the long ball, and I, I laugh. It makes me laugh every time.
3: Yeah, um, uh, Maine. I took a little. I made a little mental note because one of the guys, uh, a local writer for uh, WDRB, which is the Fox TV affiliate, he tweeted something about it, and I thought, "Yes, I wasn't wrong." Like
0: I'm not crazy after all. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Jeff, you know, we're going to have to have you on after we get, you know, again, periodically, obviously. But uh, we want to definitely get, you know, some feedback from after, you know, Sidney Rivera or some other Orlando City uh, product uh, goes there and plays and uh, see how they're doing. But, um, you know, one last question I have for you before we let you go is, you know, what does this team – you know, where do they track in terms of what their goals are this season in USL? Uh,
3: they, they are thinking it's the, uh, Ricky Bobby scenario with them. They're thinking first, (laughs) first or bust. Um, because one of the, the beat writer for the Courier journal has asked a number of players, um, like what are the expectations? It seems like we have, you guys have high expectations and they've all agreed that this is, they think they can contend for the title in the USL and, um, they're sort of holding themselves accountable to that. like at, So they drew at home to Rochester. Uh, they gave up a 2nd half goal in like the 68th minute, I think it was. And it, you would have thought it was a loss. And I was looking at it from, well, Rochester's been around for a long time. They've only missed the playoffs one time in their history. You know, that's a fairly good result for a startup club to tie to draw with Rochester. And they they were the opposite. Granted, it was at home, but they were completely disappointed. With giving up that lead, so I think that is like an example, they're they're holding themselves to a high standard every game so far. I think defy that's, expectations. Yeah. That's 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 the name of the game. Defy expectations.
2: Yeah, and, it's the
1: lineage of Orlando City. I think is uh, <laughs> that fits in perfectly. Yeah,
0: exactly. Well, Jeff Milby, uh, our Louisville City FC correspondent. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you throughout the season. And uh, please say hello to Berkey for us. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I certainly will. All right. Joining us now on the Mainland Podcast, managing editor from Waking the Red, Mitchell Tierney, is here to tell us about Toronto FC. Mitchell, welcome to the Mainland Podcast.
2: Thank you for having me tonight, gentlemen.
0: You know, the thing that I keep hearing about and I keep seeing everywhere on MLS highlight shows is the Atomic Ant, <laughs> Sebastian Giovinco, midfielder for Toronto FC. How amazing has he been for you guys this year?
2: Oh, he's been fantastic. He's been far and away the I don't want to say only positive because that'd be doing a disservice to a couple of other players, but he's been the main positive in a, in a sea of negatives for the team so far and uh just watching his two goals this weekend alone. Um he does he does way more than that, but those are the two those are the two moments that have stood out so far from his time in Toronto FC and he he's only getting better and better and he was our best player in the first match, so um, you you can only wonder where he goes from here.
1: Um, I was going to ask you too. Outside of those big three players that we know about, with mm. with uh, Javinko and of course uh, Michael Bradley and uh, Altidore, um what's another player? Maybe like a fan favorite, like a local favorite, some guy that we maybe we don't know about here that uh, that you guys are are big on up there.
2: Um, I don't know if I don't know if I would categorize him as a local fan favorite yet, just because he he also hasn't been with the team for very long, but. Um, should he be healthy for this game? The guy to watch out for is definitely Benoit Rue. He slots in alongside Michael Bradley. He's a fantastic distributor of the ball. And I think really a player who uh has impressed, he he would probably be in that, like right behind Giovinco in terms of players who have impressed so far this season. He's... He's on a different level, and uh, he's kind of making Michael Bradley look bad right now, honestly, because he's (laughs) doing a much better job of what Michael Bradley should be in the team to do, and he already has a goal and, uh, I believe, a couple assists, so he's had a good MLS debut and hoping to continue that should again if he's healthy. Uh, More to the training today was he, he is healthy and should be ready to go. Okay, Excellent.
0: That's great. I wanna I wanna piggyback on that question because that, you brought up sure. Michael Bradley, and there's a lot going on in the news with Michael Bradley in terms of the U.S. men's national team and people believing that Jurgen Klinsmann is using him incorrectly and that he is this you know sort of box to box midfielder shouldn't be you know in the distributing role he mm-hmm. shouldn't be you know all the way back mm-hmm. um, he should be able to roam and that kind of thing. How is Toronto using Michael Bradley? Um, it's
2: it's a bit confusing to say you know how they've been using Michael Bradley because he's been a bit all over the place um, he really in mls he hasn't found his roots yet uh, if you will he he seems to want to go everywhere on the field and do pretty much everything uh, and take over everyone's role, which doesn't really work and doesn't really work, especially now that we have players that can do those roles um, but this season uh, i think I think the problem with Bradley has been he's been too far back he with with our defensive deficiencies he's almost become a third center back at times and that's not where you want him. You want him a little up up further up the field because he can play those good balls and can uh, contribute immensely to the offense and um his his link with Altidore is one of the most important things to this team and to this team's success this season and since the first game that has gone absolutely dry as Bradley has been too far back and so has Altador for that matter.
1: So um I know that the, season, the team has not had the best starts for the season so far, but if you could pick the pick one game where you think that maybe that was the game that you think was the real Toronto FC, or have you seen the real Toronto FC
2: yet? Uh, it's hard to say. Um, I would say maybe the Chicago Fire match, which is one where I thought, you know, I, I thought they they wouldn't lose, or like I thought they do better than they did. Uh, the end result wasn't really fair to them. I think the Vancouver match was a bit too good for this current Toronto FC and I think some of the other matches uh, have been a bit unfair on what Toronto is considering injuries and otherwise but that Chicago match which I felt they should have won uh, was a bit more like what they are and that's they're gonna have to win by outscoring teams they're gonna have to you know hope that Joe Bendik can hold up in goal and their defense uh, doesn't let them down too much and that they can score a bunch of goals because so far this season, it isn't looking like this team is going to be defensively organized or be very effective defensively, so uh, they're going to have to rely on goal scoring to get them through, especially early on in the season.
0: You know, the the thing that I wanted to talk about is the rhythm of this team. Have they been able to get into one with, with the fact that they haven't been able to play at home yet this year? It's been five straight games on the road. It's going to be six on Sunday and that's got to be sort of hanging over their heads and and making life even worse for them.
2: Well, uh, like I said, uh, the back line has been the big problem so far this season, that's where the most inconsistency has been. There hasn't been the same back line for a single game this season, and in fact, um, for one of the games, all four of their starting defenders were either injured or suspended. Uh, Mark Bloom, who was a key fixture at right back last season, hasn't played a game so far this season. Uh, Justin Morrow, who was one of the best left backs in the league, honestly. And I had it on my ballot for defender of the year. Um, he, he's has played more centrally this year, which hasn't been effective at all. And the former captain, Steven Caldwell has been injured as well. So, There's been so much shuffling on the back line that they really haven't been able to build up from the back and get that consistency. And I mean, in the midfield, you can see things starting to come together. I mean, Toronto does have one of, if not the most talented midfields in MLS on paper between Jonathan Osorio, Benoit Sheru, Michael Bradley, and Sebastian Giovinco. And there's been a couple of plays, for example, again against Chicago, where they strung a whole bunch of passes together, and it was brilliant. So I mean, it looked like something. I mean, Barcelona is the easy, the easy example there. It wasn't quite Barcelona uh, because Sebastian Jovinko's <laughs> finish wasn't exactly the greatest on that goal, but it was very nice, very well constructed. But the problem is they do that once every 22 minutes of the game, um, and the rest of the time they try and do it, and the opposition defenders pick them off. So switching gears
1: a little bit to the game coming up this weekend. Um, sure. What, you know, with Toronto, and I know you guys have, probably haven't seen a lot of fans since you all, you all haven't had a home game yet, but um, mm-hmm. what, what does uh, Toronto expect from Orlando, and what do you guys think of Orlando being in the league?
2: Uh, well, I mean, definitely a lot of positives. I know I know a lot of Canadians are excited uh, for Kyle Laren and how, how well he's been doing so far with you guys. Um, and, I mean... You definitely, there's two expansion teams coming in and the opinions are very different on the two of them and you guys are on the right side of the cards. I mean, everyone likes Orlando, everyone likes what they've brought to the league so far. I mean, Kaka has been an exciting player, whereas of course New York is is a bit more maligned considering, um, you know, the Manchester City connection and all the other oh, yeah. stuff. So I think, I think certainly you guys have a good reputation in Toronto and have been an exciting team to watch as you come into the league.
0: That's good to know, because we've, you know, we we think that we are suffering a little bit of a reputation problem around <laughs> the league here in the in the early going. We've had uh, two red cards in seven games and um, some reported incidents, nothing that was ever made the papers or anything, but some yeah. reported incidents on social media from our fans. And, you know, I'm I'm perfectly willing to, you know, shrug off anything that you know people say about fan Experience because if you go to any soccer game and you're a visiting fan, you're going to get hassled by someone. It's just a fact of life. Yeah. Um, but I, I was interested to to know that you know you guys like us better than New York City FC, <laughs> which is cool with we'll us. Yeah. That. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. if you
2: ask the West Coast of Canada, they'd be a little less uh, a little less inclined to say that, considering uh, those incidents, or at least some of those incidents reported yeah. were with the Vancouver Whitecaps and and the Southsiders, but. Um, so far, so far, no issues with us that I can tell. It's, fun,
0: it, it's funny because I just I just found a photo online the other day of uh, an Orlando City player. It was actually Rafael Ramos, and he was near the end line, and there was a Portland Timbers fan flipping him off oh, yeah. in the in the photo. So I was like, okay, so there there are jerks everywhere. It, oh it's yeah, not, of course. It's not it's not you know it's not a Florida thing, but um, um, so what about the team? Is seems to be giving the team the the biggest hassle. Obviously, the back line hasn't hasn't been cohesive because they've been Mm. you know not not the starters in there. But I've been told, and from what I've seen, because it's hard to see this on television when you're watching, but I've been sort of informed by your staff actually waking the red that that the back line plays really far forward in order to compress the field. Is Mm. is that something that they're having trouble getting used to? Yeah, for sure. Well, the thing is, uh,
2: the players who've been playing at right back, left back, aren't for, for most of the season. As I mentioned, aren't natural right back and left back. So, um, obviously, they've been having some major difficulties with with not just playing their role, but playing a, a wing back essentially, being pushed up the field and trying to contribute to the offense. And um, the first game against the Vancouver Whitecaps, I mean, they got destroyed in the first in the first few minutes, and were lucky to not be down more than one goal. And eventually they switched it up, played a more flat line, and, um, and were able to get that result. But it, it seemed like Vanny never learned from that. He seemed to think that maybe it did work a little bit, and he's continued to try and do that. And, I mean, last game, for example, they tried to put Nick Hagland, who's, in my opinion, a fantastic young defender and who has plenty of potential, um, and is, is a pretty decent, uh, wide, wide defender but they tried to play him against Fabian Castillo out wide and he got burned twice in the first 10 minutes and and they had to they were forced to switch him centrally it's just tactical mistakes like that that have really been killing this team um more than even not having not having the the healthy guys
1: do you think it's a cohesion problem or a coaching problem
2: that's that's difficult to say i mean <laughs> Greg Vanney hasn't been put in a very good position because he's expected to win right away in a league where you don't always win right away, um, especially when no. you're getting in, getting a lot of new players in. Um, but yeah, the, torontos I mean, it's been nine years now. There's no patience. Yeah. Patience is as thin as it's ever been for <laughs> obvious reasons. So it's difficult to say. I mean, you can't really give him time, but... I mean, I haven't been impressed, and I would say the majority of the fan base, especially after how how the last game went, uh, they want him out.
0: I, I saw a tweet uh, from a Toronto fan that said he's had 15 games to show what he can do, and I was like, wow, 15 <laughs> a whole games. Yeah, uh, well, even <laughs>
2: last I don't I wouldn't even count last season because that was it. That wasn't even his team. It was a dying team that uh, Ryan Nelson had kind of led to just on the playoff bubble and uh there was so many cracks in that team that 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 barely even counts for me he's had you know the five games this year this is how he should really be measured as and well i mean they've gone 1 and 4
0: it's it's five games <laughs> <laughs> um so what do you see as the key matchup in this game personnel wise on the field i mean what's what's going to be the difference maker which battle
2: um i honestly I mean the midfield. The midfield should be interesting. I mean you've got Keka and then you've got Michael Bradley. That that should be an interesting battle between the two of them, depending upon how they're utilized and how Toronto tries to counter a player like Keka. Because really they haven't played a team with a with a dominant midfielder um like like Keka so far. I mean they've had Vancouver where they played Pedro Morales, but he really really had an off game that that game, and then after that. They haven't played a player like that, um, so how they're able to counter Kaká will be will be very interesting. And also how the backline is is able to deal with uh, with the Orlando Strikers. I mean, again, a guy like Laren, who's pretty solid in the air, um, that that sort of play has wreaked havoc with Toronto all season. They really have a tough time positioning in general, but especially when the ball's in the air. So, you, I could see a guy like Laren uh, really tearing up the Toronto defense.
1: Yeah, we've got it and Rick Shea and Colin on corners as well could also be a, yeah. a threat too for you guys, so
2: and Colin always seems to step up against Toronto FC. Well
0: that's promising. Uh before we let you go, Mitchell, um I wanted to get your your you know, your score prediction and uh see what you think how the thing's gonna unfold on Sunday.
2: Uh that's always a, that's always a difficult question. Um <laughs> I guess I'll go optimistic. I'll go I'll go two one Toronto um I think that this is a team that i i i really think they did learn something in the three and a half hour three and a half hour rain delay against f c dallas i think that uh maybe maybe that was a resetting point and they did come out of that and look completely different and hopefully um it sounds like Bloom will be back it sounds like they'll have almost a full full back line and i i think really this is the time to to maybe get their heads on straight and um, get a win.
0: All right. Well, we'll see how it plays out on Sunday. Mitchell Tierney, managing editor for Waking the Red. That's waking the dot com. That's like waking up. It's not like I don't know. We had we had a, a typo on uh on our, our our Facebook page earlier. Our our social media manager typed out walking the red. Yeah, and we're not a like, zombie show. No. Waking dot com. Thanks, Mitchell, for being with us and uh, good luck to you this season. No problem. Thanks, gentlemen.
1: Take
0: care. So that will just about do it for episode 11 of the Mainland Podcast. Uh, we definitely want to thank our guests Mitchell Tierney from Waking the Red and Jeff Milby of a little site we like to call the Mainland. And um, well, it was it was great talking to them. They were they were outstanding guests. They
1: really point. were. That was good 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 good, good guests tonight.
0: as opposed to normal when we just have a really lousy guest. Um, (laughs) before we get out of here, uh, I do want to mention we are on iTunes. If you're catching us on the website and downloading us and you want to get us automatically, just go to iTunes and find us there. And please, if you're on iTunes, it would really help us out a lot. If you could like give us a, like a, like a five star rating or whatever you want to rate us, give us a rating, you know, maybe leave a little bit of feedback there. Um, for uh, others to see so they know what to expect and maybe they'll subscribe to us as well. And uh, also if you are uh, a business owner and you would like to support us and get the word out on your business and affiliate yourselves with our program, well, you can get a hold of us at themainland.com. That's M A N E not M A I N, themainland.com and we will uh, be happy to talk to you about uh, how you can support the the podcast. Uh, before we get out of here, Kevin, um, we have to give our predictions because I, I guess that's the way we've set this show up. And now, even though we're always wrong, we're going to continue to be wrong every week. Uh, let me get your thoughts on Sunday. What happens and uh, what will the final score be?
1: I think Sunday's going to be tough. Um, I think that Toronto is trying – I think they're finding their form. Um, despite Mitchell's uh, pessimism, I think that they are uh, they are indeed a team that is going to figure it out pretty soon. Um but they're also a team that gives away a lot of goals. So I think uh, this is the week that Orlando City gets its home—it it's, gets its home goals, it gets a home win, and it gets a lot of goals. I think the final score
0: is three to two, Orlando. Nice, that's a good prediction. Um, I am one of those guys that says, "Show me a home win," before I start predicting a home wins, <laughs> uh, because I've already been burned by that. I'm going to say it's two to two, uh, but maybe Orlando City rescues the point late uh, after. Uh, maybe missing a few opportunities. I, I still think they're pressing a little bit at home. I want to see them relax, and so so far they haven't done that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's gonna be a two-two draw. I would definitely be happy with a three-two uh, win. In fact, if you would have said two-two draw, I would have said three-two win just to be different. <laughs>
1: well, I'm um, gonna double down real fast too, <laughs> and I'm gonna say goals scored by Kaká, Laren, and Molino. From and nice. down, I now. would
0: I would love it if Molino gets his. Uh, his first MLS goal. I continue to predict that one of our defenders is going to score. And I, I, I have, I think predicted every one of them except Breck Shea. So I'm going to say Breck Shea gets a goal in this game.
1: He's <laughs> do one too. So yeah, I think you might, you might be right too.
0: <laughs> so that'll about do it for the podcast. Uh, thanks Kevin for, uh, for being with me. My and um, we will see what happens on Sunday night when Toronto FC invades the uh, Orlando citrus bowl. Uh, We'll see you next time, and we'll break it all down. We'll we'll have plenty more to talk about, actually, after next week. We'll be talking about the Ponte Preta friendly on May 2nd. So uh, until then, I'm Michael Citro signing off. Go City! Go City!